Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 277 of the podcast. It's the 12th of May, 2021, as I record this intro. And this week, we have the second half of my Q&A conversation with Sue Patterson. And just a quick reminder, these Q&A conversations aren't about giving anyone a, quote, right answer. We can't know that because we don't intimately know the real people involved. And there probably isn't just one right answer anyway. We can get where we'd like to go through many different paths. Rather, our conversations are about contemplating the situation from the different perspectives of those involved through the lens of our unschooling experience. It's kind of like tilling the soil around the question with an eye to helping not only the questioner, but anyone listening find a connection to their lives or help them better understand how unschooling works. So whether the situation applies to you directly or not, I encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind. Let it all bubble away for a while. The questions asked, our thoughts, your thoughts, and see what connections and insights might spark for you. Also, in the last question, they mentioned that a lot of the unschoolers they meet or read about or hear on podcasts have only one or two children, and they find it rare to hear stories from unschoolers with multiple kids. Now, this is a comment I hear pretty regularly, and it's inspired me to pull together some stories around unschooling in large families for next week's compilation episode. We've had guests on the podcast with four, five, six, seven kids, so I'm really looking forward to weaving that together. Now, before we dive back into the Q&A, I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Nancy Escort. Hi, Nancy. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support helps pay for the hosting and the transcription, as well as my time spent creating new episodes each week. It's instrumental in keeping the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page on patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now here's the second half of my conversation with Sue. Okay, question four. My daughter would be starting kindergarten this fall, but we have officially decided to keep her home with me. I'm feeling a bit of pressure to initiate ways to find more playmates with my kids because they won't have school peers. They have cousins they love and some neighborhood friends, but I haven't jumped in on meeting other unschoolers yet. COVID obviously has taken away the chance for classes and activities, but we'd be comfortable meeting folks at the park with masks. I'm more reserved and I see people on Facebook unschooling pages looking for playmates for their kids. This feels like a big should in my mind and is making me feel like I'm not doing something right for not being more outgoing and meeting more unschooling peers. It makes me feel kind of intimidated. Our kids are happy, creative, imaginative, and we've really worked on being much more peaceful, patient parents this past year. Things feel good in our home and family. I'm not unwilling to reach out, but I guess I could use some encouragement and tips on ways a more introverted parent can create opportunities for friendship. I just wanted to start with, I really look to my kids in this kind of situation as to whether they were looking for more interactions with other kids. I mean, and uh, the person put should, this feels like a big should in my mind. She put it in quotes because she probably knows that, you know, shoulds are something to look at because that can be a story that we're telling ourselves of something, not our reality. Like our kids in front of us is a much better clue as to what would be more helpful. So I don't think our kids need to interact with other unschooling kids because, you know, unschooling really isn't a common interest. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, town and be the only unschooling family there, you know, yeah. <laughs> but if they're meeting in a park and your kids want to go to the park, whatever, like that's great. They'll be there during the day. But often I found 
um, that it's more the parents who are wanting to meet up, especially with the younger kids. Mm -hmm. And that's great, but it doesn't mean that for them to connect that the kids have to get together. It doesn't have to involve the kids. So really just look at that expectation that we might be playing that we're feeling that we have to get together with uh, other unschooling families and look at our kids. If are they are happy with, you know, their cousins and their neighborhood friends, and that's like enough engagement with kids for them. Like, that's great. That's totally fine. I know my kids, um, they had each other, they had us, they had their cousins. It wasn't until they were like, eight, nine-ish that they were really looking for more engagement outside. And that is also definitely depends on personalities, introvert, they may want more kids to run around with at a younger age. But again, it's the individual, right? It's looking to the child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, Over on Instagram, uh, gosh, now that we've had a whole pandemic year, it's like, I guess it was more than a year ago. I did a thing to find out what people, you know, were they introverts or extroverts, what their little personality type and like 70% of the unschooling moms that, that were on Instagram were introverted. I was shocked. I'm not an introvert, but I, surprise, surprise. (laughs) I have discovered during this pandemic that I kind of like being home by myself more. (laughs) Um, So I'm not as as far extroverted as I thought, but we really are convinced from schooling, from society that extrovert is the thing to be and introvert Mm -hmm. is not. And that's just not true. None of that is true. It's your personality, you know, whatever you bring to the table, that's who you are and you have worth. And it's not one is less worth and one is more worth. That's just not true. So, so be careful that you're not like beating yourself up. I'm introverted. No, it's fine to be introverted. There's a lot of, a lot of great things come from introverted people. So the other part to realize is that we are also conditioned to believe that desk proximity you know, in a classroom is going to equal friendship. (laughs) That's true. And so I think that we get, we hear a lot about you need more, you need more, you need more kids to be around, more kids to be around. Well, that was part of the selling point to get a kid to go to school. (laughs) Not because it was necessarily, lots of kids had bad experiences with the kids in their classroom. You know, they had bullying or they had comparisons and competition. Gosh, the competition. And your guys don't have to have that. So the fact that they are happy, creative and imaginative and it's a peaceful, patient year, fantastic. You know, remind yourself that those are great and that when when your kids demonstrate that they want more, that's when you have to look at, okay, I'm going to see if they, I can go for a little while for that park day when park days come back. I can go for a little while, but then I, I'm too introverted. I got to go. But my really extroverted kid can stay with my friend a little longer at the park they don't have to leave just because I left after the first hour. <laughs> they can stay to their heart's content. But but again, you're not doing that because they're a seven-year-old or five. You're doing that because they're expressing interest in something that you, as the tour guide extraordinaire, is going to find other resources that can help them get the needs met that, they, that, that they've indicated that they need. I don't think your kindergartner or future kindergartner or whatever five-year-old is sounding like they're missing much, you know, don't tell yourself a story that they're missing out. They're missing out. Well, then maybe find a gymnastics class and see, Mm -hmm. oh, she hates going. All right. I guess we're not going to do that. Or maybe this was a story in my head. Maybe she is perfectly content with cousins and neighborhood people. Yeah. You need a lot less than you think because you've been kind of conditioned to believe that they need bazillions. Although I did have one that the moment she woke up, she said, who are we seeing today? <laughs> and so that, you, all right. So then you kind of move in that direction and you get a whiteboard and you're like, no, she's like, we didn't see anybody. I'm like, no, two days ago you had a sleepover and, <laughs> and you can see it on a big whiteboard. And so they don't have to like get all caught up and I'm not getting what I want because 
you know, they can see, you know, here, here we, every couple of days, we make sure everybody's, you know, when you have more than one kid, when you have just your kindergartner, that's, um, I keep calling them kindergartner. They're not really a kindergartner. You know, we're so, <laughs> so like indoctrinated into that. Right. Five-year-old, your daughter, you know? So, yeah, I think that's a great point. That story with um, with your daughter. It's about the individual, right? It's really looking to them to see rather than thinking there's expectations that there right. should be more friendships. Right. And one thing I found, too. Okay, two things. One, yes, a lot more time, processing time than I expected for my kids. I thought we would be out doing a lot more. Yeah. Um, so being open to that, being okay is right. And number two, as an introvert, a hardcore introvert, I also found that when I was um, helping my kids meet their needs, it was a little bit easier. I could push a little bit more against something that I probably wouldn't bother doing for myself. But as tour guide extraordinaire, as you mentioned it, there were reasons for me to skirt at the edge of my comfort zone and stay there for a while. And that felt good to me. Now, if it, if it doesn't, like you said, there are resources, there are ways they can go hang out with another family for a while, you know, to get more of their things while I'm helping myself or my other kids who aren't interested in that. Like there are so many possibilities to where it's about being creative, I think, and having fun with it, just figuring out. And like, like it keeps coming up with all these, not, getting dictated by the story in your head of what it's supposed to look like because what it's supposed to look like you're going to gather your data from that kid right in front of you you're not going to gather your data from your history from what somebody else says or somebody else lives that kid in front of you is going to tell you i need more i need less yeah their story, their story, when you're giving them the space to live it, you're and connecting with them, you will know these things, you will have a feel for these things. So that's lovely. All right, question five, I am seeking some advice for how to get a passionate 12 year old on board with trying and schooling. My daughter is digging in her heels clinging to compulsory school, though it has made her miserable for the past two and a half years. The COVID forced hybrid model doesn't help, though it's not the only problem. Daughter doesn't see the shortcomings of the institution, though she cries and complains at home about truly bad behavior moments from teachers, counselors, parents, and other kids. She is constantly anxious and stressed about school, obsessed with getting the best grades. For example, she freaked out when her 100% average in PE dropped to 99 after her teacher doctored 20% for her legitimate yet unexpected interpretation of the Zoom assignment. Aww. She had two terrible teachers for fourth grade and fifth grade um, under a horrible new principal. Sixth grade is better. Its teachers have some knowledge of how kids actually learn. However, her middle school still has a strict schedule, dress code, standardized tests, bells, bullies, sexism, and racism, racism, and it still lacks choice and individualization. Daughter had glowing expectations for middle school, hanging out with friends, decorating a locker, and they have not come true. She thinks homeschooling will mean losing friends, losing a designated place to go away from home, losing structure, losing validation by teachers whose opinion she trusts, falling behind, missing out, and having gaps in her knowledge. She used to love to read and to write long lyrical stories in third grade. Her fourth grade teacher said she was too slow at reading, so now she hates reading. She heard some adult opine that you can't make a living doing graphic design. Now she spends less time drawing. She still likes math, science, sewing, and singing. I don't want her to lose those too. I want her to try unschooling full-time. She does it already when she's not compulsively doing extra homework or crying from stress and lack of sleep. I don't want to compel, coerce, or intimidate her. I would like her to see for herself how unschooling might actually be a better way for her to get an education and be willing to try it for a year. Every time I try to show her a documentary or a book or an article about unschoolers, she starts shouting and crying about how I want to take her away from real school. I'm looking into getting her therapist, which she asked for. I think she's in an unhealthy situation. How best to support her and how best to de-school. Now, I mean, you're the only one actually involved in the situation, like the parent, the person who wrote this question, right? So how um, unhealthy it is, is is your call. 
Um, but there would be a lot of complications if you forced her to, to leave. But of course, obviously, as always, there's no unschooling police, nothing like that. These are your choices. But what I would say is I think it would be really helpful right now to step back from trying to convince her from what was written. A lot of it was trying to convince her that this is better, that this is better. And not because it's wrong, but because of her reaction. She's getting very defensive. So if you keep trying to suggest it and she keeps, she's just going to dig in deeper and it's not going to be right. That her kid is digging in her heels. Yeah. and then her choice doesn't become about unschooling anymore. It becomes about my mom's trying to make me do something. Power struggle. I don't want. Yeah. yeah, it becomes a power struggle. Exactly. So you want to avoid the power struggle piece because when you're not in a power struggle, that's when you can actually think and learn a little bit more and pick up things. So I think for the mom, learning more about unschooling and how it works um, would be really helpful for her, right? And doing her own de-schooling. Um, because you can bring so much of the unschooling ethos into your lives, even when school is a part of it. And I will put a link in the show notes to a podcast episode with Alec Polakowski um, about like her daughter chose to go to school for a while. I don't know, maybe she's still there. But um, it is really interesting how many of the unschooling principles really can live like that you can bring into your lives, even when school is a part of it. And the really interesting piece too, that she can do now is just letting her daughter know that it's a choice. I think her daughter knows that now, but letting her know that, you know what, if you want to leave, just let me know that is totally cool. And then instead of trying to convince her daughter to leave, support her daughter's choice to stay as in I'm your partner. I will help you. I like validate the hard stuff, but not say, see, it's hard. You should leave, but like, just let her process through that. So she'll discover what her point is that she wants to leave. Right. Not that we've said this looks so horrible. I want you to go. But when you're there with her and you're a partner, that's when she can start to see that this is a real valid choice. My mom's going to support me no matter what my choice is. She's going to talk to the teachers if I want her to talk to the teachers. She's not going to harp on me about homework because you know what? Homework's not a big deal, right? Um, if, If she wants some help figuring out ways to do homework or do projects, well, support that. Bring food, bring drinks, make a nice big open space for her to work on her project. Like show that you're supporting her as a person, irrespective of school or not school. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? (laughs) Totally, totally. You know, Alyssa, and I think she talked about it on her podcast with you, talked about going to high school for a year and a half. And that she too wanted that decorate the locker. Where is it in this question? All the things that her Lizzie McGuire story told her school was going to be like, only discover it's not. (laughs) And, um, and so she was my youngest, the most radically unschooled of all of them. So in fact, she, you know, she didn't, she hadn't had any academic kind of prep for it, but she did fine. And the point is, I totally did it as an experiment that I didn't say, this is a terrible idea. I did say, I'm not a fan, <laughs> but I, I want you to have the experience you want to have. And yeah. that meant I did school in our way. I picked her up early. I went to the back door and brought her some lunch. I continued my partnership with her in spite of what the school says you have to do. Yeah. And because I was not, I, I, at that stage of the game, I was past that worried about getting called into the principal's office. I was instead calling the principal into his office. <laughs> and um, so I think that, I, I think that, it's not the end of the world if she has to go to school or want or chooses school. Yeah. And I think that, um, okay, just working through here. One of the things to remember is that we've been in a pandemic for a year. And so that gives people um, an opportunity to kind of romanticize what it would have been like if we were all together in our decorated lockers happiness place. It might take a little wake up call to see that that's not 
gonna really happen like that. You don't have to tell her that. You can say, we're, all right, all right. And, and this is what I would do. I would say, I'm done with fighting you about school. You wanna go. I wanna make it work. So let's see what we can do. And how can I make this happen for you? And all of a sudden, there's no struggle. You walked away from the power struggle. You're, you know, power struggle only happens if you keep struggling. So quit, (laughs) you know? And so I think that uh, she doesn't see the shortcomings of the institution. Why would she? You know, she's been going to school all this time. They've totally filled her head with make an A, make an A. Don't step off. You don't even know what they've said. There could have been little comments of like, don't drop out. Don't do this. Don't do, you know, and so she has kind of internalized all of that. What you could do, and you don't have to do this as a C, 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 but more of a, wow, look at that. There's so much math in everyday life. We, you know, we just did this. Or let me show you, oh my gosh, look at you, fractions, piece of cake. And it's, you know, cake. (laughs) And it's the back of the cake box. Um, And so you start to identify where learning happens in life. And so if you spend this year that she goes back to school, you spend it really de-schooling and learning about unschooling, then you can help her see it because inevitably she'll be back to having the crummy teacher or she'll be back to having a situation. And you, by, by being on her side, you make it easier for her to make a different choice. If you're constantly saying my way, my way, and she's saying my, 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 then even when it's bad, she don't want to do your chores. And so don't go there. So instead just, we're going to just play it by ear. However, if you like it, we stay. If you don't, we don't. And we're, you know, we're going to do a variety of other fun, connective, valuing type of activities together. And right? when, yeah, when you release that power struggle piece too, it also opens up so that when things go bad or things are hard at school, she will still feel comfortable coming to you to talk to you and process it, right? Rather than her having to deal with it herself. Privately. Tells she, you, you'll jerk her out of there the minute something bad yeah, goes wrong. If she tells you, she's just going to get a lecture on how she doesn't need to go and why does she end up with that and all that kind of stuff. So it's just so valuable in so many ways to stop that power struggle. Right. And then little pieces like she mentioned, that's what learning about unschooling is going to be so helpful for the mom because Pieces like the knowledge gaps, like when you start looking at that and understanding how like everybody has knowledge gaps. And when you start embracing that, like you can put little observations like a lot. Oh, I just learned this. I never knew it. You know, whatever age we are, they know we're not in school anymore to show that we're always learning, that there are always little pieces that we don't know. And you don't even need to make that obvious to them but just sharing oh you know we're doing the math bit with the cake you know it just be oh I cut it into quarters whatever it is and and the little pieces of oh I just learned this like letting little observations and conversations about learning that happens outside of school just letting them naturally bubble up not to point them out, but she's going to see them. She's going to notice them. And when she's not feeling that pressure of school, not school, it just helps her see how learning can happen outside of there. Right. So those little pieces are just going to help her see, like you said, she's going to be hearing lots. She has heard lots of stories about how important school is and how we just learn at school and, you know, get behind. Um, We can start planting seeds of a different story right? Of unschooling. Yeah. And you, she had talked about long lyrical stories in third grade that she doesn't do anymore, or that she thinks she hates reading because she's slow. Remember too, that those things can come back. If they're in her, they're in her. You know, if she likes that kind of stuff, then maybe go, you know, when things get different <laughs> unpandemicy you know do a poetry slam go you know li- or watch it on youtube there's some cool things where people are are oratory you know they're giving more of a um 
explaining it from like a dramatic perspective. Mm -hmm. And so um, that might be interesting to her. It, and it's not about, so see, you can do it too. <laughs> yeah. It's just more of a, oh, I saw this cool thing. And these actors, you know, like the Hamilton cast, where they kind of bantered some of this scenes from in a Zoom call. And you can say, oh, look at this. And you just start to show her cool things that you think might be close to something she likes. Now, if she rolls her eyes, if she slams her door, if she, those are all clues that you went in the wrong direction. <laughs> so don't go that way anymore. Go a different way. What, what is different? And, and remember, it's trial and error. We're going to, you know, try not to say, try not to push her because all 12 year olds need to be this or all, you know, kids that like to write, do this kids that like to read, do this. What does she like? What does she like? She wants to decorate lockers. Maybe it's time to decorate her room. Maybe it's time to get some cool wallpaper or paint on the walls. Or, you know, we have, <laughs> because we were, we had a, a bathroom upstairs that they could write quotes and stuff with Sharpies on the walls. I mean, because who cares, you know? And if she's, if she's missing the, I mean, there's nothing that a, can of kills paint can't take care of later and you know if she's missing doing that kind of thing get her some those press on peel stickers of flowers or whatever it is that she wants to decorate her locker with let's do the whole room in it and um and that helps her own her little safe spot because inevitably she'll go It'll kind of fall apart because inevitably it does to some degree. Even if she continues to choose to stay, she'll still have her little safe spot that she has made with you. It's full of love and nurturing so that she can manage. And, and so I would not even ask her about her grades. Don't mm -hmm. talk to her about Oh, that's so great that you got an A. Oh, that's so great that you got a hundred. Wow, I'm so proud of you. Because that feeds that. Yeah. You know, instead, skip all that talk because it's something's making her really care a lot about the grades. Mm -hmm. That could be just that she built, you know, she had good grades. She liked the, the attaboy pat on the back. And so she wants to move back in that direction. Maybe you should point out to her how you got a C in biology or how you got it. You know, that, that doesn't mean we don't move forward. It just means that year wasn't our year. And, you know, where you just kind of minimize the pressure so that she's not freaking out about her grades. Another thing to remember is that sometimes kids freak out about something because we're their safe spot to freak out. And then as soon as we walk, as soon as they walk away, they are not freaked out anymore. And we're sitting there like, oh no, he's miserable, he's miserable. They are long gone. <laughs> they unloaded and they were done. So, so don't get too caught up in the story of she hates it, she hates it. Obviously some piece of it she doesn't hate because she wants to go. So it could be, that you're just her safe spot to tell her all her woe, tell all the woes to. Mm -hmm. And um, I still have one of my kids that does that. And I still kind of get all angsty about it only to then look on Facebook and she's gone out to dinner with someone and she seems perfectly happy. And, <laughs> and you're like, I guess I'll stop worrying about it. <laughs> so know that that's just part of parenting. You know, we, we take it on and we, and we, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a fixer type of a parent, which has its own pitfalls, but it, you know, you, you can get too much into solving the problem when that's not really what they're asking you for. They mm -hmm. really just want a safe spot to someone to listen. To, to say it all, you know? Yeah. yeah, to be yeah exactly. No, I love that piece too about um, the things that she wants to do. Like what, what was she going to get out of the decorating the locker and like bringing that, like bringing all those pieces into your life now, because that is what helps her see 
what other possibilities are. Like, again, like it, it's not unschooling your school per se. I mean, it is. You but the go whole on thing Amazon and buy some lockers. and let her decorate it and paint it purple whatever she wants you know and then i can't decide well then let's get two (laughs) (laughs) i love that i love or let's change it every month and let's just kind of own it (laughs) play with it it. i mean for me i like to think of play because that that keeps us figuring out the middle rather than stuck at one end or the other right absolutely Okay, our last question, Sue. This is (laughs) I have a nine-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. I'm at home with them, but we have zero help. Zero. No babysitters or family or cleaning companies or anything right now. Now, a lot of my current experience could be heavily influenced by the pandemic and lockdowns, but I really, really struggle with managing their varied needs. A lot of unschoolers I meet or read about or hear about on podcasts have one child, maybe two. But I find it more rare to hear stories from unschoolers with multiple kids. Plus, the ages of my kids have an impact. They are three and a half years apart from one another, so all interested in different things. Though, of course, there is some crossover. But I'm near tears by the end of the day, trying to be present to play kitchen and dolls with my two-year-old, while also playing a lot of imaginative fighting games with my five-year-old, while supporting my nine-year-old, who loves gaming and searching things online and needs some help. On top of this, I really struggled being on top of just the basics, dishes, shopping, cooking, laundry. Believe me, I do not try and be perfect. Most of the time, my house looks ransacked and super cluttered, which I'm not really happy with, but I'm trying to accept. My husband works from home and helps as much as he can, but his time is super limited. Most days, I feel like I'm failing my oldest, Eli, because he is the most self-sufficient and so needs The needs of the littlest ones seem to take over and I yearn to get to my eldest and he has expressed feeling left out, feeling like the bottom of the list. We get about one hour of toddler free window when she naps and when lately both boys and I play on the trampoline. How do I meet all their very different needs and get dinner ready? Some days I worry I just can't manage it all. My boys are very sensitive and have a strong need to have my attention and presence Plus, I worry I'm not there enough to see and support their interests in a meaningful way. On top of that, I do want to get back to my own body of work somewhat, my own career. I was in the creative arts when we got pregnant with my first, and that's all been on hold. The kids are up until 10. I'm too tired to get up to work then, so it feels like I will never have the time and space to return to what I feel is a calling, especially when, as I said, just handling the basics with all three seems so challenging. So that's my very long-winded question. How do I support three kids and myself and the house and our new rescue puppy? (laughs) All right. Um, Absolutely, I want to say I feel that overwhelm. It's true. I remember that feeling. You and I both had three kids, right? Um, And I will say we've got a number of podcast episodes with families with more kids, four, four and up kids. So I'll put a link to a few of those episodes just in case, like sometimes it's helpful to hear from their perspective, but some seasons really do feel overwhelming and it can be just helpful to remember that our kids will get older. (laughs) They really are getting older every day and it's not going to be like this forever. Like we can really get stuck in that tunnel vision, right? Where this just feels like I can't do anything else. I can't do even what I want to be able to do. Um, and I don't feel like I'm supporting everybody as much as I want to. Um, so we can get really stuck in that story, right? Um, I also feel the diverse interests, like my kids never really had a lot of the same interests. We came together for a few things, like jumping on the trampoline or playing games and stuff. Um, I think what bowled up for me at first anyway, is really the idea of self-care. Like when we are starting to feel overwhelmed and what's super interesting is it feels like one more thing that we're going to, oh, I can't do what I want to do. You're talking about self-care, but truly we're not talking about, you know, you need a, an hour all by yourself to or even a weekend that. away or, <laughs> or spa, you know, anything like that. I have, I have an episode um, all on self-care and we talk okay. a lot about how 
it really is possible to weave just re-energizing moments, refocusing, recentering moments throughout our day. And I think that might be, it just sounds like that might be a super helpful thing to look at because when you feel a little bit recharged, it is easier to go um, from one kid to the next to go like, and it's also how we look like maybe that trampoline time is re-energizing for us. If we take the moment to observe and say, oh, this is refreshing. I like doing this. I can do it with intention and I can soak it in and refill my cup with that activity. Sometimes the stuff we do with our kids can be that for us. So instead of just telling ourselves a story that is draining all the time, that drain, 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 we can tell a different story for some things. It's not about lying to ourselves. It's about noticing. It's like, oh, you know what? I do enjoy this. I do like bouncing around. I do like laughing when they're bouncing around and just soaking it in rather than feeling like it's draining us out, right? Right, right, right. And I think sometimes even just going into the bathroom and doing some couple of deep breathing and reminding yourself, this is a choice. This Mm -hmm. is a choice. It's not a victim. This is, and so I think that when we can have whatever mantra works for us, you know, that kind of helps us do a quick shift. All right, I'm spiraling out of control. I needed a quick shift. You know, think about what are some for you. And, um, and that would be helpful. The the thing that jumped out to me is you have a (laughs) two-year-old and that is in and of itself exhausting. Mm-hmm. And so that's if you had no other kids, a two-year-old can be exhausting. So you have two other kids and a two-year-old and a husband that can't really help much. And so number one, I would ask, what could your husband do? What are some things? Because I was in that same situation. We were military. We moved all over the place. We didn't have family. We didn't have help. I didn't, you know, it was just like that. And I had three and they were all in different directions, all with different needs. And so I get it. And I think that when we can think about, all right, one of the best things I did a podcast with Gina Riley last spring, you know, she was, she's a researcher and an unschooling mom and a single mom. And she said this great thing that I just love telling people is that in the mornings she would um, get up early, do her thing, which I don't know if you have a two-year-old, if you, if you can do that, because sometimes you can only like rise and fall (laughs) when the two-year-old rises and falls. Um, but if you can, then you, that's a good time to get your stuff a little bit done. And then you can focus on the kids when they get up and that when we are like singularly focused instead of I'm trying to do this while I do this while I do this nobody feels they got what they needed so if you've got all right I got some work done for an hour whatever your thing that you're wishing you could get to you might be able to do a piece of it maybe not all of it but maybe a piece of it that kind of makes you feel like oh yeah I'm moving in the direction I want And I'm still raising three kids in a loving, connective way. And so then when they get up, who, you know, I I can make sure that I get their cup full. Because when their cup is full, they're more likely to not need you as badly as they do when you haven't really filled their cup. Mm -hmm. Then it's like constant need, need, need. But if you're like, all right, candy land before breakfast, because that's what they chose, then so be it, be into it. And then because it could be really fast. And then next thing you know, you just bought yourself another hour. And so the thing too, about the, the older kid that you're worried that they're getting kind of neglected, figure out where you're going to put some time with them, maybe not trampoline with both of them, because that doesn't really answer how do you connect with that one older one. Maybe you need to carve out a little piece. Maybe you could make an appointment with your husband to, can you handle them for an hour while he and I go get ice cream or while he and I walk the dog or do this hike? It's one hour, one hour. Can I have an hour? And if it has to be after he gets done with work, then then that's a good place to put it. So that your kid, you're hearing 
what's going on with him. He gets to tell you all of the stuff that's happening. And it doesn't have to happen every single day. But it but just make sure that a week hasn't gone by that you didn't have that little block of time. The two-year-old's going to carve their block. <laughs> you don't have to carve that for them. The five-year-old may or may not. And you want to make sure they're getting some one-on-one mommy time. And then the nine-year-old is the one you really, that's the one in this, in this question that I feel like you're most concerned about. Is it getting their time? So that's the one you're carving the time out for. And so um, maybe it means that they stay up later and the others have gone to bed, or maybe it means, um, you just think about some of the interests that they have and that while you're fixing dinner, they're doing a science kit at the dining room table or at the counter because it's high enough that the two-year-old can't grab it. <laughs> you know, so you'd have to just be realistic about what your life is. And then again, kind of like what some of the other questions don't, and, and what you had said too, Pam, don't assume it's always going to be this. The difference between a two-year-old and a three-year-old is huge. Between a three-year-old and a four-year-old is huge. And your kid, your oldest is still only 10 or 11. And so don't think, oh gosh, the destiny is my oldest child will be neglected forever and my baby will be demanding forever. Yeah. You know, that yep. happen and, like that. And I'll never be able to do. I'll like, never do my thing. Me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you I think- just have to do your thing on a laptop in bed at 10 o'clock because that's an okay way for you to do it. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe two days a week instead of doing stuff with the boys while the two-year-old is napping, maybe that's when you do something. You know, you just deliberately carve out the spot because the baby's occupied sleeping and the big kids are happy doing their thing, probably, especially if Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're doing something with them, but Tuesday and Thursday or whatever, you know, I say those dates, but you, all of a sudden it's a gorgeous day and you've had rain for a week. You're like, sorry, it's my day. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't do that. You, don't, you have all the flexibility in the world. So don't confine yourself in ways that are kind of arbitrary. Yeah. I mean, and also, I mean, for me, when the kids were that young, I really didn't have time to do my things. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, choosing to be with them and put my effort there. And as they got older, I found more and more pockets of time where I could start writing a book. And, you know, I, I, my first short little book was like two years. Right. They were just tiny little pockets. Right. So it's, it's, it's just realizing that it's not never. Thing and I came, I came from a real mainstreamy background. And so I was very much into what about me? What about me? Where's my time? And so I did carve out time for myself. And, um, and when I look back, those are some of the things that I wish I hadn't done. You know, so if you're thinking I'm not getting to my thing, I want to invite you to skip your thing for a little bit. (laughs) Take that off your plate because I know that when I was trying to get to my thing, I was impatient and um, frustrated that I couldn't have my space. I couldn't have my time. And why are you guys spilling the milk? And oh my God, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And for what? For what? I could have waited a couple of years. It would have been fine. <laughs> but in the moment, I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, I must, I must. And it's just a process, right, that we learn. And so maybe sometimes you learn from the great things that I say. Sometimes you got to learn from my mistakes. <laughs> um, you know, and so I think don't I, I would just say and I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I would just say it is OK to set aside i'm i'm raising a toddler right now i don't have the bandwidth to do something else without getting really angry with my big kids or being really frustrated and being spread too thin and i will say that rescue puppy you got (laughs) um I don't know. Puppies are hard and they can be stressful. So allow that that's okay. That's what your hobby is right now that you are getting to have this puppy because you wanted it and it's great. Um, 
but maybe you have to reframe it as this is my me time right now is dealing with this puppy and helping my nine-year-old, you know, figure out how to do pet care and all of these things that you're just kind of weaving these shared experiences with. And, um, you know, I always think of like, if you have like a life and you live to be 80 something and the first 20 years, you're just a kid and somebody else is kind of taking care of you a little bit. The next 20 years is your parenting time. And you really are focusing a lot on them. The next 20 years, you're not really parenting in the same way. You have all the time in the world to get a bunch of stuff done. And it, you know, we're, we're an immediate society. We want it all done now. <laughs> and because you never know, and truly you never know, but, um, but you've got a couple of giant blocks of twenties, 20 years, 20 <laughs> to get a bunch of things done. I didn't start this business until my late fifties. Okay. Because I can do it without like running somebody to this or running somebody to that. Or, um, so I think that recognize you have a whole life. And right now this window includes raising a toddler and having a rescue puppy. (laughs) And those two are very demanding. And so the fact that your house is a mess, I want to tell you every unschooling family, now I haven't been to Pam's house, but every unschooling family I know that had multiple, actually they didn't even have to have multiple children, but if they were diving into unschooling, their house looked ransacked. And it just did, because that's the lived in look. And so don't worry about that. You know, that's stories. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good housekeeper. There was a cool article somebody wrote about separating your mom-ness from your housekeeper-ness. We tend to like lump it all together and don't because yeah. that cleaning lady side of your life isn't the momming side of your life. So it's mm-hmm. just an interesting, some people really mix it all together. Yeah, it becomes problematic. Such a great point. Such a great point. And really, what you were saying there, it it really boils down to remembering that these are choices we're making, right? To remember why we're choosing unschooling for our family, right? Understanding why and and the realization, I think that was such a great point too, that that the things that we want to do are also like part of our self-care, that me time piece but to realize that that's what you were really trying to get out of it. And there are other ways to meet that for now. Like you were talking different stages, like these are my choices and these choices take up my time. And I think that's something we struggle with no matter what, because I could fill my days with a million things that I would love to do. And even, you know, now that my kids are all older as well. Um, so it's not something that's just particular to when you have kids, right? but it's just so useful to remember why I, what my priorities are, why I'm making these choices, why I want to dive into. And like you're saying, be fully in the moment with them instead of having half your mind thinking about all the other things you wish you were doing, because then you're not filling that moment. You're not present with everybody. So that moment. And that's kind be- of a society thing, right? Yeah. That you're not doing enough, being enough having enough so say no (laughs) say right now my cup's full thank you society Um, something else a couple times she mentioned in here about I keep pointing to this like y'all can see what I'm pointing to um I that she mentioned about and get dinner done so make sure dinner is easy and for me it meant I had about four things that happened every week and then three that changed out and they kind of rotated around. So yeah. they came back around next month or they happened, you know, however that worked. Or so you don't have to be the gourmet chef <laughs> every night. And you you may be listening to me saying, oh my gosh, no. But maybe you need crock pot stuff. Maybe you need stuff that's going to kind of cook on its own that you don't have to stand there chopping. Or maybe you need, I remember... Um, you know, they used to have these groups that were like batch cooking people. And so they would chop up a ton of onions and put them in Ziploc bags so that throughout the week, you already have it and you can scoop out half a cup, throw it on, and you didn't have to get out the cutting board. Oh gosh, wash a knife. Oh gosh, 
you know, oh, yeah. now they've just spilled Cheerios. And, you know, you don't have all of that because you just had to grab your Ziploc bag and throw that onto the skillet. And um, so look around for easy ways. And then also things like paper plates and ways to not have a ton of dishes. <coughs> Make sure, you know, just to kind of give you less work. Mm -hmm. and, and and something too that the two-year-old and the five-year-old uh, maybe not the nine-year-old maybe they would though you can always have like let's let's everybody take a wet paper towel and wipe the floor and get the dog hair up you know just some easy kind of all right gosh that looks a little bit better feels a little bit better under my bare feet you know what if somebody has their own little kid mop run through the room and get the and get that done and and so really, we're just doing floors and toilets for a long time. <laughs> I love that because that's the piece that was so helpful for me that made it feel lighter was just trying to bring some creativity to it, mm -hmm. some play, some fun, like to see these not as, oh, my gosh, I need to vacuum. I need to cook dinner. I right. need to like we just keep piling all this weight. That's the story we tell ourselves. right? Back, love that little hand back. You could right? get a couple of hand vacs and right. have them charging. So kids would enjoy that. They could put stickers on it. And this is their hand vac. Go get that stuff under the table. Like, yeah, I'm on it. You know? And <laughs> right? Yeah. It's just making it, seeing that because we see so much of this as work and chores. And right. It can really be fun when we play with it more. And if we push that idea of work and no fun, then we can't be surprised when the kids say, I don't want to help. That's yeah. work. That's no fun. Exactly. <laughs> kind of conditioned them. So if instead it's superheroes to the rescue with our hand vacs. Here we go. And, Here we go. You know. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sue. It was so much fun to chat with you today. Always, always. I love it. And uh, it's been a little while now. So where can people connect with you online? Um, you can go to suepatterson.com and that has all kinds of coaching resources because I have groups and I have um, I'm strewing calendar. I have a lot of different things and unschooling guides on a variety of topics that kind of freak people out. And, um, and so there's that. And then there's also unschoolingmomtomom.com, which is a big curated site that has lots of different um, unschoolers from around the world who have written fabulous things. And I want to make sure you see it. So that those are the two websites. And then, of course, if you just write in unschooling mom to mom on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest or Clubhouse or wherever, <laughs> find me oh and I have a new podcast oh yes so I have a little five to ten minute unschooling pep talk that um comes out on Mondays so you'll see that in some of those places or you can it's in um on iTunes and Spotify and all those things so What's lots in? of ways to connect I'm happy to connect with anybody that's trying to figure out how can I do this? <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Thank you so much, Sue. I will make sure we get all the links to that stuff in the show notes as well. Thanks Have so much for having me. I loved it. Bye. So fun. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the growing podcast archive. The conversations never go out of date. You can find more information about my books, the Living Joyfully Network online community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit online course at my website, livingjoyfully.ca.